Hello and welcome to this, the first episode of One Week at a Time, a Box Hill Hawks podcast. My name is Sean Peterbudge and I'm joined by Emily Ferguson. Uh, em and I are responsible for the club's media. We're effectively the media team, aren't we? I guess so, yeah. Two people. Two people make a team? I think so. It's a bit exciting, I suppose. We decided to, a couple of weeks ago to, to give it a go and to um, have a crack at a podcast and see what it becomes or... It starts off as one thing, what it evolves into might be something else, but um, we're wrapped that you're giving it an opportunity and having a listen. The show is brought to you by Budget Car and Truck Rental, who have been wonderful partners of the Box Hill Hawks for many, many years now. And effectively, Em, I suppose what we'll try to do is bring people inside the club. We'll have an interview with someone every week, um, maybe some news, some reviews. We don't want to pin ourselves down to anything, but I've just got one question for you. How did you feel a week ago when I told you about this idea? And then two days later when I said um, you'd be co-hosting it. <laughs> um, when it was first mentioned, I thought it was a very exciting concept. Um, I think it kind of stemmed from that chat we had with Cal Porter, head of his milestone game. That was a great chat and I was just listening in and it was a very easy listen and I feel like it would be something other people would enjoy. Um, when you asked me to co-host, I was very excited because um, I just think it's you didn't, good. You looked <laughs> muted. <laughs> well, I wasn't really expecting it, so I was a bit taken aback, but I was excited because I think it's a good opportunity I mean, coming to the club this year, I've had a, built a few good relationships, met a lot of the boys and got around the club a lot more. Um, and we only really show on social media like those short snippets um, post-game with a coach or a player just about the game. But I feel like this gives us a good opportunity to show more of their personalities, which we see around the club and have chats with them, that kind of thing. But this is a good way to show it to a bit of a wider audience. Now, this is the magic of digital media and um, radio, so to speak, but we have already spoken to Ed Phillips, have, who, yes. of course, is our first guest this weekend, and we wanted to, we were going to speak to him last week before the Footscray game, um, which was his fiftieth VFL game, which is a wonderful milestone. But um, life got in the way, and we just couldn't quite make it happen late in the week, which is a shame. But Edo was was wonderful and, and so accommodating. Um, what did you make of the chat? Just before we go into it for the listeners, I think it was a great chat as someone who loves football. It's great to hear his background and his career so far in that respect, but also some things I wouldn't have known about him and I learned something myself. So I hope everyone else enjoys the chat and learns something about Ed. 100%. Uh, so Ed Phillips uh, brought to you by Deer Park Oil Tools, um, which is a special shout out to Johnny Ewer because yeah. that's he's basically Ed's player partner. Um, so shout out to them, but we hope you enjoy the chat with the milestone man, Ed Phillips. So this week's guest, our first ever guest, is Ed Phillips, who played VFL game number 50 this past Saturday, 19 games for Box Hill in his two seasons with us, 31 previously for Sandringham. It's a fantastic milestone, Edo. Um, no pressure, first guest, <laughs> could be the last guest. Uh, how do you feel about that, I suppose, the honour of leading the podcast off? It feels great, Shawnee. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, yeah, we'll see how this one goes. This this could be the first of many or, yeah, it, it may be the last. So I'm, I'm happy that I'll at least get the chance to uh, be on the podcast and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It could be a very, very special edition. So basically the idea came about because the week before we did a chat with Ports. Yes. For his 50th game. And in transcribing it, it was quite listenable. And I was like, oh, it's a bit of a shame we didn't record it because it was quite good have the opportunity to do that straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Well, I'll ask you the same question we asked Ports, I suppose, is to have played 50 games at this level is a great achievement. How do you reflect on the milestone? Um, yeah, I guess it's a, it's a good achievement to have. Um, you know, the, the VFL standard of footy is, is um, I think, still a, a pretty decent standard. Um, you know, it's, it's the sort of leading one, at least in Victoria. And, um, yeah, it's... it's, it's um, I feel privileged to have been able to play at both Sandringham and, and now here at Box Hill and, um, yeah, to, to notch up 50 um, is pretty good. I'm sure it'll be something that it'll be nice to look back on um, sort of at the end of the uh, the footy career. But, um, yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed – I really enjoy the VFL standard. Um, I feel like, at least for me personally, it's a, a really good mix of, um, you know, being a good challenge but – but also feeling like you can, um, you know, I- impact the game and, and contribute well to a team. So I've, I've really enjoyed playing a lot of VFL and, and especially here at Box Hill, it's been very enjoyable with, you know, the, the group that we've got down here at the moment. You know, prior to coming to us, obviously, you, you uh, were at the Saints. It was a pick 56 in the 2016 National Draft. You were there for four years and played the 15 senior games. What do you make of your time at the Saints? Um, yeah, really loved my time at the Saints. Um, you know, it was always a dream like it is for a lot of young kids to get drafted uh, when you're 18. And luckily for me, uh, St Kilda gave me a chance as an 18-year-old kid. I, I really wasn't too sure whether I would get picked up or not. Um, but, yeah, weirdly looking back on it, I, I hadn't really planned otherwise um you know I obviously I had some studies and stuff lined up that I that I got into whilst I was playing uh in in a part-time sort of capacity but yeah it was always just a dream and I always just was very sort of focused on on that becoming a reality and lucky lucky enough got the chance to to be there um and yeah got to got to play a few games it was always a, a dream of mine to at least play one AFL game and so yeah, I'm I'm very uh, content at this stage. Looking back, that I was able to do that and um, achieve that sort of as a goal. And and yeah, again, it's an, it's another thing I always look back on to, um, you know, at the at the end of the career to say that I've been able to do that. And uh, you know, along with a few other things, like I got to play against my brother a few times um, in those 15 games. Got to play against some really good teams who. Um, you know, in the years that we played them, um, were really good teams. Like you know, sort of Richmond and West Coast around when they won their flags, um, and and some other good teams, and playing some really nice grounds as well. So, yeah, it was it was a really good um, experience as a whole. Learned a lot, um, developed a lot as uh, a footy player and as a person um, because it was um, yeah pretty pretty daunting and full on going straight into a full-time working environment as an 18-year-old, having not uh, had a typical job sort of, you know, before that. And so, yeah, you, you learn, I guess, to grow up quite quickly being surrounded by um, other men and women in, in the workforce, essentially. Um, so, yeah, learned heaps, developed a lot, and I feel like that's put me in, um, yeah, great stead sort of for whatever I'm going to do going forward um, for the rest of my the rest of my life pretty much, yeah, so. And kind of on that topic, whether you're coming into a VFL or an AFL environment, what's the best piece of advice you could offer a young player starting out in senior footy? Um, I don't know. I, I can't think of any one piece of advice. There'd be a lot I'd think of. Um, 
I guess it's just there's there there is a lot happening and, and it can be a bit of a roller coaster at times. And I feel like um, especially in in the AFL environment, um, you know, because it's sort of it, it becomes a bit of a job. There there is a lot of pressure on performance and and a lot of your um, as bad as it is, sometimes your week can be sort of determined by how well you play on the weekend, whether it's a good or bad week. Unfortunately, that's that's sort of how it can be sometimes. So, I don't know. So, sort of something around staying, um, staying very level-headed. Um, you know, thinking always thinking that you know nothing's as good as it seems or as bad as it seems. Um, because yeah, you can you can get pretty high when you when you have a good win or play a good game, but you can also get pretty low sometimes when you don't perform well and um, I guess something that I've tried to learn to do is separate um, yeah, your performance as an athlete or as a footy player with your like uh, worth as a person during the week and um, because I feel like, especially in the full-time environment, it's easy to confuse those two things um, and, and get caught up thinking with that because in, in that sort of environment, a, a lot of emphasis is on how well you play during the game or, or how well you train on the track. So um, it's a fine balance, but, yeah, I'd, I'd, that's that's probably one I'd think of, trying not to confuse those two and still, you know, um, having a good level of self-awareness that, that you know um, you know what you're worth, you know um, who you are as a person and you can sort of still carry on um, during a normal week regardless of how you went on the weekend. And was there a standout leader or mentor for you in your time at St Kilda? Um, there's probably just a, a good combination of, of a few of uh, coaches and players. Um, I, I'm a very sort of curious and inquisitive person. And so I was always asking questions, trying to get advice from, from all sorts of different people. Um, uh, you know, both at the club, um, you know, from my brother, from, from people, family and friends who are, who had been in the environment before. Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's, a lot of people that I've got a lot of advice from. Um, and so, I, yeah, I probably wouldn't narrow it down to one, but just, just you know, a, a good combination of a lot of different things that I've tried to draw upon, yeah. I suppose for, for you, un- <clears throat> unfortunately, 2020 was a really tough year. COVID and, and how that affected the AFL and, you know, you're coming off contract, you go up to the hub, there's no seconds footy. How did you make sense of that, you know, when, when the year comes to a close – because we're wrapped that you land with us in the off-season, but I suppose for you coming off the list, did you feel as though it was a really tough year to kind of press your claims and sort of win, you know, a, ne- a new contract, win an- another year or two? Yeah, a little bit. Um, that was definitely an interesting time, uh, like for everyone during that 2020 year, um, because so much was going on. But uh, yeah, especially for us going interstate, living up there for, you know, essentially three months, um, and like you said, sort of training and, and, and trying to build to something. But um, sometimes it was hard, you know, when you're not playing games and you're playing these sort of make-up matches. Um, you know, I'm still very grateful we were even able to play anything because, you know, I heard of the stories back here where no one even got to do anything and we experienced that a bit in um, the year after 2021. But, um, yeah, it was it was hard at times. Um I must say, I was someone who really enjoyed the the hub experience and being up there. We, we were extremely lucky um, being in Noosa, and you know the environment there was fantastic. And um, yeah, I felt like in in an overall sense, um, 
even though, yeah, I went through a few challenges up there, overall mentally I was able to stay pretty fresh and determined and, and um, willing to keep pushing. And um, right until the end of the season, there was always that drive for me to keep trying to perform and prove myself to, you know, try and stay on a list and, and be at St Kilda um, moving forward. And, um, yeah, probably the – I guess the hardest thing was um, – Earlier in the year, the, the conversation had been around. I, I knew I, I was sort of coming toward the end of my contract and um, I guess the feedback for me was that I just had to perform when I got a chance. Hopefully a chance would come at some point during the year and I just had to perform and, and prove myself. And um, I, I did get a chance in some games and I, I, I felt like I, um, you know, I'd done the work and, and uh, you know, in, in some of those games I felt like it paid off and I, I was able to contribute reasonably well and, and have a few good games but um yeah unfortunately it wasn't able to eventuate and I was, wasn't able to continue that towards I guess the end of the season enough in uh St Kilda's eyes to to trigger something um moving forward and um yeah that was a really interesting time towards the end of that that season um we actually got to the end of the hub and um yeah, that, the the exit interviews was a very nerve wracking time, and I was, I was sort of expecting, you know, it's it's going to go either way, yes, no sort of response, and it was sort of like a question mark response. It was sort of like a, oh, we're not sure yet. I don't know if we're going to do something, but we might, and so it was a bit of limbo for a good period of time. Um, I think. So, how do you make sense of that? Like in in terms of training or preparing for a twenty twenty one season, when you're kind of you're not sure where you sit well it was weird yeah I was I, I got the I got the pre-season training program from St Kilda I was I was doing it and then it was um it was towards the end of the trade period I think leading into the draft which is uh oh no not leading I think it was towards the end of the trade trade period which is starting to come into the next pre-season and so you know I was sort of ready to go and had been training and stuff and then that's when I sort of found out and so that's when the time started coming to think okay what's what's going to happen now um spoke to a few different people and then and you know box hill eventually was the place that i chose to come because of some of the personnel here um and you know in uh, looking back now it's um at the time it was very hard to think through that and navigate that because you know all, all of a sudden you, you're, you're almost living like the dream life and then it's just you know the, the reality clicks in very quickly um because one day you're a professional athlete, the next you're not. And so it's sort of like, okay, I've got to adjust a bit here um, in, well, in everyday you, life. Can you kind of describe that adjustment? Because <clears throat> you go from football being the sole focus, the nine to five, and then you kind of go, well, I still want to play football and I still want to play it at a high level, but I've actually got to now support myself financially else, elsewhere. So how does that process marry up? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one and I'm sure it, um, anyone who's – well, there's heaps of players. Almost every player goes through that process at, at some point or another where they exit the, the game. And um, it's definitely a bit of a, an adjustment period, um, especially as a, as a kid coming out of school at 18 straight into that environment. That's all you know and then, and then it's gone. And, um, you know, yeah, the, the, there definitely is that adjustment period of figuring out, okay, what next? Can I, can I still keep pursuing footy? Have I got to look at... Uh, a typical sort of path of um, going more full-time uni, part-time work, that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, like I, I must admit it, it took me a while to really come to terms with that. And, um, uh, 
yeah, I remember initially there was probably a bit of um, like anger is not the right word, but there was there was something fueling a motivation to be like I, I need to I need to get back on a list. I, I really need to push, and um, that's going to be my sole focus. And you know, I'll, I'll try and uh study and, and work part-time as much as I can but I still want to um keep that as a priority um and then um yeah that that has still been the case moving forward but uh you know it's been a bit of time now since then and, and things just evolve um and you know th- things change over time so yeah that that adjustment period probably it probably honestly took me towards the end of last year's season um to really come to terms even with like just just what had happened and um yeah i, I must admit it, it took a while but um yeah it's, it's it's still something i look back on really fondly um again very appreciative and, and grateful for all the experiences that i got to have through that because they were so memorable and um uh yeah useful in shaping the way that i see a lot of things now um and and how i go about things so yeah, it, it was definitely an interesting time, but but happy for for everything that happened because it's all it's all been for a reason, and it's all helped me, you know, get to sort of the point I am today, and and will help going forward, no mm. doubt. And you obviously landed at the Box Hill Hawks in end of the twenty twenty one season. Sorry, the start of the twenty twenty one season. You touched on it a little bit before. How did that process play out? And I understand you were a Hawks fan growing up. So did that have anything to do with it? Uh, yeah, definitely. I've I was always a Hawks fan growing up. Um, love the Hawks and um, yeah it sort of came about from I, I can't even remember exactly but I, I remember early on getting in contact with Andy Collins who was who was here and I didn't even know Andy but but kind of knew him mutually through other people um, I, I'd never actually spoken to him and I remember um, having a phone call with him at some point and yeah, but like I remember bizarrely, he was able to tell me a game that I played from uh, for Sandy against Williamstown when he was coaching Williamstown. That sounds like hollow. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, "Oh, I remember you. You did this stuff really well." And I was like, "What on earth? Like, I don't even know this guy." And he's like, "Yeah, it was, it was quite, it was quite weird." Um, but that was enough um, interest and, and care for me, I guess, to. Um, and and that from that conversation, speaking about what I, what I wanted to do and and how he could sort of help that, um, that was enough to get me to say, you know, I'd, I'd love to come to Box Hill. Um, I knew Sam Mitchell was coaching and, and uh, would have loved to have played under him, which was a fantastic experience um, last year as well. And um, then I, I guess the cherry on top as well was that my brother had moved then from Collingwood to Hawthorne. Um, and so to, to be at the same place essentially as him in the twos and, you know, to even eventually play with him throughout this year has been um, – I've definitely loved it. I know it's, it's probably not what, where he prefers to play, but it's been um, great nonetheless and, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful for that too. So that's sort of like how I, yeah, managed to, to get here initially. And so you've obviously had to make the call to come to Box Hill. What would you say to players considering this as their new footballing home? Um, yeah, I definitely think that, that Box Hill is a, a great place that facilitates a lot of development, um, learning, especially for young players. I've, even in the last two years, I've seen a lot of um, young guys come through here and develop a lot. And um, the environment here is 
um, you know, fosters that growth and, and really encourages and allows these young players to, you know, learn from um, the older players here. And the, I feel like the older players do a really good job at facilitating that stuff for the, for the young guys and, you know, the whole development staff and the coaching staff and the alignment with Hawthorne, I think, um, plays really well to, to allow that to happen. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I can only speak on experience from where I've been with the alignment of Sandy and St Kilda um, and I feel like there's a, there's a stronger alignment here um, and from what I've heard from other people coming from other clubs, this seems like one of the stronger alignments that there are, which I think really helps with the, the professionalism of the program um, overall, which ultimately you know, allows um, young players, if they're wanting to develop, um, a really great place to come and, and sort of look to get the best out of themselves. And on the alignment, you kind of touched on it before about playing with your brother Tom, um, especially on the weekend for your milestone game. How special was that to you and your family? Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah, I, I've loved playing with Tom. We, we played a, a fair bit um, in juniors. Um, he was two years older than me um, and our dad used to coach us, but I would sometimes just get dragged on, dragged along and, and get to play with Tom um, in a few games. So we, we did about a bit of that during juniors and then – yeah, didn't, didn't play much um, together then growing up. But then, yeah, luckily got a chance to play with each other um, once at the Oakley Chargers. And then, um, you know, again, for it to happen uh, here at Box Hill, um, I, yeah, I always uh, feel very grateful to the times that we get to spend with each other on the same field, um, whether that's on the same team or on, on opposite teams. It's it's always really good fun. Um and yeah, often times when we've been out there, it's it's just you know reminding each other of like, isn't this funny? Like that we're just out here together, you know, like like we used to, just like kicking in the backyard. We're we're just out here now, like on the like on the G we played earlier this year, or Box Hill City Oval, or wherever it is. Um, you know, it's just it's just fun. I always love it. We always try and look for each other and, and link up on the ground and. Um, yeah, it, it always make me, makes me smile thinking of that and, um, being, you know, even having the opportunity to play with each other um, at, at a good high level of, of footy in the VFL, so, yeah. What's uh, Tom doing with his look just at the moment? He shaved the head, he's got rid of the beard. He looked like Happy Gilmore's caddy for a little bit. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. I was fully supportive of that look, but he rocked up on Saturday. With a shaved head. Completely different man. Yeah, yeah. Um, Look, yeah, you, I, I don't think you should ask me that question. I don't even know if you should ask Tom that question because I don't even know if he knows what's going on with his look. But um, he's, a, he's a quirky individual and um, he just goes with the flow sometimes. Um, so I'm sure he would have just thought, I might just shave my head tonight and, and just did it. So, look, that, that hair was getting probably a little bit long. Um, it probably needed to go. Uh, eventually and that's that's one way to do it I've, I've done it a few times the full shave head and I must say it's quite liberating so um yeah I, I think he would have liked it I, I asked him if it felt a bit lighter on his head during the game and um he, he said it was a bit better you don't have to worry about you know <laughs> flicking your hair out of the way so yeah uh, uh yeah the, the fully shaved head and shaved beard Tom's uh yeah, a bit, bit cleaner and, and looks a bit nicer. But I'll, I don't mind the Happy Gilmore no, caddy either because that definitely uh, suits him. Um, so, yeah. And so 2021 had its own challenges, as we all know. Uh, you had a new club, lots of new teammates, new coaches and a stop-start season in terms of the fixture. 
how did you adjust to so much upheaval and how do you think the season played out personally and collectively? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting season. Um, to start it and then not finish it um, was, was interesting. Um, I remember towards the end of the season or even when, when we sort of got time off and there was a glimmer of hope that we'd come back for finals and it was sort of, yeah, it was, it was a struggle to even get motivation because it was sort of like, well, is it happening or not? There was a lot of uncertainty and so, yeah, it was, it was hard um, towards the back end, I guess, just to keep it going. Um, but initially, you know, through the, through the pre-season and, and the, f- the first few games, um, it was it was good. There was there was a bit of good continuity. I remember we played heaps of practice games. Um, probably <laughs> probably like too seven, many. Yeah, seven too, practice games. too many practice games. But um, yeah, uh, I think I, I felt really um, good with with the team last year. Um, I, I felt like we we even though there was a, there was a lot of yeah new people. I think coming from different clubs. Um, but I think Sam did a pretty good job at galvanising everyone, making the game plan really clear and simple and allowing players to really play to their strengths and, and bring bring that um, to the team. Um, so I felt like we, we gelled really well um, and that for me was the beginning of making some really great friendships that, you know, even this year have, have developed even further and um, I really love the, the guys that I get to play with now. Um, you know, it's it's not only mates and stuff on the field and, and, and you have care for them as teammates on the field, but off the field as well. Um, you know, I, I feel like the, the group has really, um, yeah, come come together and gelled really well. And, um, yeah, I think that's why I'm, I'm confident we can really achieve um, success this year because we do have that really good connection and, and it translates on the field. Um, and we just need to, I think, tap into that a bit more and, and really utilise that um, because it's I think it's one of our greatest strengths, especially as a VFL list, um, you know, that we've been able to, te- to develop over the last two years, especially since I've been here, yeah. And you recommitted very quickly for 2022. I believe you're one of the first re-signings for the season, so you obviously didn't have to think about it for too long. Yeah, well, I was, I was keen, like I said, when I made the initial decision to come here, um, I was keen to stay because of, um, like I said, the, the program that's here, the people that are involved. Um, and, yeah, I, I felt like I got a, a lot out of um, working with, with the people here. Um, and, and, yeah, definitely Colo is someone I've, I've learnt a lot off um, with just, yeah, j- just how to go about things, um, development individually. Um, and so I just wanted to still be around the same environment Um surrounded by those sort of people to still be able to tap into um and and of course you know I, I had spoken to a few others and, and others were keen to stay as well so um I was keen to see it out especially because the the season finished the way it did I felt like we didn't really get to capitalize on what we we'd sort of started building um and so that's why I was, I was keen to play this year to hopefully be able to sort of fulfill that a bit more um and and really put into place what we'd, we'd um, started building and had been practising during the 2021 season anyway. Now, we, we spoke to Ports about this last week in that never-to-be-released pilot episode. Fantastic <laughs> chat. You should have I heard love, his, I would love to hear it. His answer was outstanding. Oh, jeez. But one of the quirkiest dynamic shifts between coming off an AFL list and then onto a VFL list, like you have, like he has, like a few of our boys have, is that you come off the list very young. 
you know, were you 22, you come off an AFL list? 22, yeah, 22. <clears throat> and then when you come onto a VFL list, you're actually an experienced player. Mm. So the shift is you go from being a bit of the low man on the totem pole in terms of experience and exposure and that, and then you come into an environment like this where you're actually quite experienced, quite senior, good breadth of knowledge of on and off field. How, how sort of – is that a strange adjustment? It is a little bit, I, I must admit, because like, like I said, I, I've always been and, and still I'm a very curious person. So I was used to um, – it's probably still in that mindset of that 18-year-old entering a, an AFL list of I can only – I can only learn and ask questions here. Like I have no, almost have no right here to be telling anyone what to do. Like I need to find out stuff first and, and learn. And, and, you know, one, one day down the, down the track, there'll be a point where I'll, I'll evolve into, you know, a, a position maybe where I can lead a bit more, but you're right. When, when you come onto the VFL list, um, it's sort of thrust upon you in a way because you, you yeah, you, you are a bit of an older um, figure there so that, that took me a little bit of adjusting as well because um, I'd been so used to being in that sort of not like a passive position but a position where I'm just willing to to learn and and um, you know observe others first than, than actually get out in front and lead um, and so yeah I mean to, a, to an extent I feel like that's a bit part of my nature and I still tend to do that but um, you know when it's sort of called upon you, you sort of got to do it and, and I think um, probably more so this year maybe than last year I feel like I've been able to step up a little bit more in that sort of sense um, again the, the connections relationships with the other guys the other sort of senior guys here who um, have I've sort of been in a similar position with um, you know I, I feel like it's it's a good group are all sort of yeah at a similar similar sort of point and um, everyone sort of come together to to realise that, yeah, that, that we are sort of um, the the older sort of group that needs to lead and, and sort of show the way. And so that has been a, a thing that I've enjoyed doing and still definitely need to develop um, to be able to help younger guys coming up. Um, I, I find it interesting between – because I've been doing a, a fair bit of coaching. Um, that's, that's something I, I definitely got straight into once I got um, off St Kilda's list. I, I – I, my, my da- old man does a lot of coaching and so I did a lot of coaching straight with him. So I really enjoy helping young up-and-coming kids develop and, and, and passing on ad- advice there. But it, e- even that's a different dynamic that as being a coach than being a player in the same team and, and trying to communicate that knowledge as well um, because I, I, I don't know it, what it is. It's but this it, cool sort of altruistic like pay it forward. Yeah, yeah. This idea that I might have had an experience that is super applicable to you. It might not be a, a complete, you know, mirror image, but I might be able to give you a, a helping hand that someone gave me, yeah. or that I, I wasn't given, yeah. you know, by virtue of my experiences. Yeah, yeah, and I, I definitely, for whatever reason, it, it feels a little bit easier as a coach of a team to do that. Weirdly, than a, than a teammate. I, I, yeah, I don't know really why that is, but um, because I guess there's still a bit of almost like a almost like a selfish sense that I'm still worrying about what how I'm performing and and so you sort of have the blinkers on a little bit more in that sense whereas I know when I'm coaching there's no you know like I'm not having to play there's there's nothing going on and um that's when I really think back and reflect to the coaches I've had the good things I've experienced the bad things I've experienced and I try and you know sort of pass that that 
that knowledge on of, of sort of, I guess, an ideal coach that I'd, I'd sort of want as a player. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's sort of still what I'm learning as a, as a teammate, still being able to do that in a sense, um, you know, separate to being a coach. But it's just, yeah, it, it's funny how there's a few, those two dynamics I've found have been a little bit different, um, which is interesting. And how have you seen the 2022 season from an individual and team standpoint? We're seven and four, well placed in the top eight. You've played in all but one of our games. Yeah, I think the the team is definitely on the right track. Um, and I feel like, I well, I know that we have the ingredients to, to play really good footy um, and, and combine really well. Um, I feel like we... There's been times where we've done that this year and times where we haven't quite clicked. Um, and, uh, you know, that's it's probably from a range of different factors. But um, I think we're still sitting really well. We've played some really good footy and, and had some really good memorable wins. Um, so I think towards just this back part of the season, if we can start to really to gel well and, and click and, and all be on the same page. And, you know, like I spoke about, the, the connection that, a lot of us have off field. I feel like that will um, become very valuable in, in towards the, the back end of the season, and hopefully, um, if we get to play some finals. Um, so yeah, I, I have great confidence that that we can um, go well, and and individually, I guess I'm just trying to um, yeah p- play a part that I can to contribute to that 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 greater whole. Um, play play my role for the team. Um, you know, keeps striving, I guess, for my personal best performances. Um, and I guess, yeah, definitely just from a, I guess from a mental perspective, just really like relax and enjoy um, playing footy um, because something that's, that was definitely, I guess, a byproduct of um, being in a, in a full-time professional environment is that you, you, yeah, there's a lot of pressure placed on you, but you pressure, you put a lot of pressure on yourself as well. And, Sometimes that can cloud the the joy of playing um, and and playing with teammates and that sort of thing and um, actually just having fun being out there and so that's that's something I've tried to keep at the front of my mind and, and keep as a real priority this year um, to really just enjoy it and, and not take any sort of game for granted and um, you know appreciate the, the guys that I get to play with. It's so funny, you know. You remember Port said something really similar. When he said that even last year he he just took himself a bit too seriously, comes into a new club, same situation as you. New teammates, new coach, new environment, off the AFL list. And he sort of felt like he just took himself too seriously for too long. Yep. And then when he actually allowed himself to sort of – we've got a great group of guys here, great group of staff, and it's like embrace that. Don't – you know, be serious and perform and train and focus and all that, but don't kind of look past this should be a really fun place to come as well. Yep. And me and Port's are really close and, and I remember the conversations that we had last year and, and like I mentioned earlier, it almost took me towards the back end of last season to come to that, that realisation and, and really accept, you know, where I'd been at and, um, yeah, like I was talking about that adjustment period after being delisted, it almost took that a full amount of time and I remember talking to Porter about it because we, we were on the same page. I was taking myself way too seriously as well and, and my performance um, and it's it's funny that um, yeah we've I feel like we've been on a, a similar sort of journey where um, especially throughout the start of this year 
we always speak to each other about, you know, um, we, we sort of jokingly say pre-game, like, wouldn't it be a shame? It would be an absolute shame if we weren't to enjoy ourselves today, you know, and it's, he's got a, he's got a, a plethora of jokes, that it's man. But um, Yeah, he's, he's got plenty of good quotes, but um, that's, that's definitely one that I love from him um, because it really is a shame if you don't go out there and, and enjoy playing because, you know, what, what are we doing then? Like, you know. Well, how good, you know, obviously this past weekend for us, not a great result or a performance and that is a shame, but the week before that, Port Melbourne, just an outstanding finish and the vibe in the rooms and, and the like is that's what you play the game for. Mm. Is that 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes after a win like that? Yeah, definitely. That I'll, I reckon I'll always remember that moment after Ferg kicked the goal and we all just came in and I remember just like grabbing everyone else's shirts and we're just like looking at each other, just like screaming and they're, they're the sort of moments that, um, yeah, you, I don't think you can enjoy them fully if you're, um, you know, yeah, but being too hard on yourself or being too serious, you, you don't allow yourself to enjoy that. And I've, I've been in those positions where you, you almost don't allow yourself to enjoy it because it's it, everything is so... Um, it's like, what's it, next? Yeah, what's... it's okay, yeah, well, you know, there's there's something else to, to go on or, or I'm too worried about my individual performance that, you know, I, I can't enjoy yeah. uh, other people's uh, or, or even the team's success sort of thing. Um, so... That's that's what I I really love, and, and that's why I've I've really loved playing here at Box Hill, and they're they're the memories I think that that stick the longest because they're they're the most enjoyable those sort of wins, especially the win that we had against Port. That yeah, I still can't believe we won that game, but um, they're they're the fun ones. We'll take it. And so you've been doing a little bit of bit of coaching with Hawthorne's women's team in recent weeks. How did that opportunity come up, and how are you enjoying it? Yeah, so I spoke to Dan Napoli, who he, he was sort of just asking if anyone had any interest in coaching. And um, like I said, I've, I've been coaching um, for sort of yeah the last two years um, with a few different teams and I've really enjoyed it and, I, and it's something I enjoy doing and enjoy being able to pass on, like we spoke about, some some things to younger up-and-coming players Um and so, yeah, I, th- I thought it would be a, a good opportunity to have some um, other exposure um, to, a- again, a different coaching environment. Um, I've never been in an environment coaching um, women's footy either before and um, even that, I've only been down to, to two sessions so far and even that's quite different to where I've been and, and so it's, I feel like it gives another good perspective on the game um, and especially in a good insight into, um, you know, the women's side of the game, which is developing a lot, um, which is fantastic and, and has been over the last few years and I'm sure it will continue to do so, um, especially now that, you know, Hawthorne's got their own um, AFLW side. Um, it's exciting for them. They've got some really good players down there um, and, yeah, they're, they're sort of going through their pre-season in the middle of winter uh, at the moment, which... Yeah, I look at I look at them running um, on those cold nights, and yeah, I'm glad I'm sort of you know rugged up in in trackies and a, a jacket because it's a lot nicer to do that in in summer. But um, yeah, they 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 look really good, and I, I, hopefully they they go well for the season because um, yeah, they've got some good players, and I think maybe the draft is on tomorrow night. Maybe yeah, yeah. I think it's um, imminent. Yeah, so they've got pick one in Victoria. Um, and they've got like I think they've got like seven of the first thirteen picks or something. So 
it's exciting for them and um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of keen to, to see them play. Yeah, absolutely, me too. Um, and will you look to help out a bit more as their season approaches? Yeah, definitely. So at the moment I'm sort of just doing one night a week with them um, that sort of suits and, and helping with that and um, yeah, I guess I'll see towards the start of their season um, if they need help with, with anything like it's, yeah, again, I love coaching so helping out in any way is um, always enjoyable um, and there's a few like Ferg Green's been getting down there, Brady Gray's coaching down there a lot and Keegan Brooksby who was here last year has been down there a fair bit too so it's good to see the support around it. Edo, you've handled the serious stuff expertly. Do you want to do some lighter side of the yeah. club and lighter side stuff? Yeah, yeah. So I can't recall exactly when it was in pre-season. I think it was just before Christmas-ish, but I noticed that you had struck up a bit of a relationship with a teammate. Yeah. I think the dynamic of the group here we've got is just first rate, but I always love when you see – you kind of see the pairings or the little trios, the little cliques, you know, yep. smaller groups within the bigger group. You and Dooch. You were my favourite odd couple. <laughs> I don't know when it exactly it was, but I remember looking across Waverley Park and you two were like, you were 30 metres away from everyone else and you were cackling, didn't know what, you had no idea what you're talking about. But I suppose the thing is, can you explain where that came from? Well, I've, I've known Dooch for ages. So we, we played um, junior footy against each other and, and played with each other at Oakley Chargers um, for a bit. So... Um, I've always known Dooch and, um, you know, how, how, how good he is at footy as well. And, um, yeah, I, I know he's always been a larrikin and, and a funny guy. So when I got down, he was, he was one of the first guys that I already knew here. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I hadn't spoken to him for a while. Um, and yeah, I guess with, I, I feel like I've got a, a decent relationship with, with a lot of the players here, but, um, him especially, like he's uh, – I, I like guys who can have a, a, a balance of serious conversations when, when it's needed but also um, talking gibberish at, at times as well. There's um, a reason we haven't Mike Dooch up. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you wouldn't want to hear what that guy says. No um, PG. Sometimes. So, no filter. Yeah, so that's that's sort of how it started. And, um, yeah, the, the, for the people who know him, he's a really passionate guy. Um, and so I, I love having conversations with him about the things that he's passionate about. Um, and I, I have similar passions too. Um, and, you know, beyond the, beyond the surface level laugh and, and jokes, um, you know, he's, he's a very uh, thoughtful and curious guy as well, um, conceptual at times. Um, you know what my favourite thing with Dooch is? So I first met him when I was, when I was first here, my first thing doing the Box Hill stuff, and he was just a young, giggly sort of kid. And it was great. And he played some really good football, which was awesome. And then <clears throat> I went away and I've come back. And then to see him, it was like, it was so funny because it wasn't he was a different person. He was still douche. But he was like giving direction. He was taking kids under his wing and he was, you know, telling them a bit about forward craft and all this sort of stuff. And it was so awesome to see. It was like, I remember actually saying to him, I was like, this is, I didn't expect this. I don't know what I expected. But his maturation and, and his leadership and all that, yeah. still the larrikin, still a bit of a goof off. But when he needs to be serious and shift gears. He has the capacity he can do to it. do so. Yeah, he, he definitely does. And I think he's a, a good leader and, um, you know, he leads by example and um, 
is a very upbeat, positive guy, which which is they're the sort of people you need um, around a footy club. Um, you know, we've we've spoken a lot today about how serious can, it can be, and so you know, to, to see that light-hearted side um, when it's needed, that's what I really like and appreciate. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that's that's why we've drawn closer. But you know, there's there's um, there's a good group of guys here. I mean, everyone here. Um, uh, are all good people and um, you know there's a few that have that capacity which which I do enjoy. And now you work with or for Dooch in the growing fashion empire that is push pull. I'll let you clarify whether it's with or for <laughs> <laughs> um, but what's your role there and how does that play out? Yeah well he'd love to think that I work for him and that he's he's the boss. Um, <laughs> no I'm joking he's he, he's a good man and he's um, he's very good at um, yeah, uh, m- making people um, feel involved and, and a part of it. Um, and, yeah, I guess that sort of just stemmed from, um, yeah, the, the relationship developing here at Box Hill. Um, and like I said, uh, our, our conversations about the things that we're both passionate about sort of just um, grew to a point where, um, yeah, there was there was a, a sort of an opportunity to, to work um, with him to on the stuff that he's been doing, um, which I I was really keen to do, and um, yeah, since since doing that, it's it's stuff that I really enjoy. Um, doesn't feel like work at all, um, and you know we, we have a good fun time doing it um, as well. So yeah, that's that's been really enjoyable, um, and yeah, the, the empire is definitely building. <laughs> Um, this is the most anyone's ever spoken about push pull in yeah, public. Yeah, I can't say too much. Um, <laughs> you'll just have to follow us on Instagram and uh, stay tuned. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's really exciting. Some of the things coming up, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really um, again grateful to have that opportunity to be a part of it and, and help him and and the other um, the other people involved sort of shape it and and, and take it forward to. Um, what I think can be um, a really sort of cool community thing. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I kind of feel like it's the unofficial sponsor of the club. Everywhere you look, someone's wearing push pull. You're literally wearing it right now as we <laughs> speak. So, <laughs> Yeah, th- this is a shame, Sean, that we don't have it on footage because this is the uh, – yeah. Is that is – that, you've, you've been known to rock some, some push pull gear that's A, not currently available and B, will never be available. <laughs> The samples, yeah. yeah. This is uh, this is one of the upcoming hoodies. Okay. Um, oh, so we have a little exclusive, you and I. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's it is kind of the unofficial sponsor, isn't it? I, every time I I attend game or every time I'm playing games, sometimes I just look up in the crowd and you know you see uh, you see those hoodies everywhere, um, and it, it's it's cool. I, I can't imagine what. Um, how sort of Dooch and the others feel who who started it? They're they're the ones who brought it to mm. the, the point it is at the moment, um, and it's it's pretty amazing to be honest, like what, what it's become. But um, look, the the good comfy hoodies anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I suppose still on fashion, you got to write a reply here. So Jake Arundel had some advice for you. Here we go. He said, "Stop tucking your socks into your pants." Right. He said it's not cool. It doesn't not cool. look good. It doesn't work. Hmm. Jakey, that's yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting call from Jake. Yeah, um, he's rock some. Look, I, I, uh, I, I back myself in with my, um, with my uh, style and I guess what I what I like to wear. Um, and 
I try not to comment on, on too many other people's things because I, I think, you know what, everyone has a right to express themselves and um, I think without getting too philosophical, <laughs> clothing is a, a very interesting way that, that people can sort of, you know, show what you like, um, even sort of like what, what type of person you are. Like, you know, I think you can tell a lot by what people wear or, or more broadly how people look. Um and although that's very uh, superficial and surface level, I don't it's disagree. I think there's also the like if you see back in the day, it was someone's CD collection. Now it might be their Spotify, whatever. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Where you, you can sort of learn not everything, but yeah, you know, some important stuff about oh, that's the sort of person this guy is or this guy. I mean, I don't really mind if you tuck your pants <laughs> into your socks. But, Thanks, Johnny. Yeah. Um, but I suppose while we're still on the, fa- the fashion side of things, something that you and I connected over and, and you're, I think, the absolute pace setter in this regard, footy boots. Oh, yes. You strike me as in a team, in a football team, you strike me as the most like au fait with and just big into footy boots of anyone at the club. I love my footy boots. I love shoes in general. Um I don't know why, but I, I do really love um, my shoes and, and footy boots just stemmed from, you know, p- p- like playing footy and, you know, that's that's obviously what you wear. So um, I love I love all things about it. I love the, you know, the different colourways, the different technology that, that comes out with them um, and, and how that's evolved, you know, over the years. Um, I still think some some boots that were especially some of the Nike boots that were around, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, almost better than what they've got now. But it's, The classic uh, Tiempo? Yeah, the, yeah, your, your sort of Tiempo, five, tiempo, tiempo Legend 5s. Like the, you, know you know what was a really good boot? The CTR. Yeah. The CTR 360s? Yeah. They I, were a beautiful boot. See, I never, I never wore them, but um, looking back, I, I got into Nikes probably – Probably when I was about 18, um, I'd always worn um, ASICs growing up um, because they were unofficially the best shoes for your feet in uh, quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Um, and and whether they are, like I, I think a lot of people wear them and, and they tend to be pretty good. I actually do really love the ASICs brand. But, um, yeah, it moved from ASICs to – I remember – yeah, I remember – I think it was maybe year 11 or year 12. I was like, all right. I've got to I've got to stand out a bit here somehow. If I want to if I want to be seen as a player, you know, ASICs are pretty general down the line, you know. Um, so I remember the first different pair of boots I got was a pair of Tiempo um, Tiempos that they were the the wolf grey pair with like a fluoro green tick and fluoro green on the bottom, mm. and that was sort of a way. Um, they're still probably my favourite boots, I reckon. Well, maybe not quite, but they're up there with some of my favourite boots because it was just a bit of uh, bit of flair in there that, that I'd never worn before. And uh, look, who knows? Maybe that helped me stand out just a little bit. But um, How many I, do you reckon you'd roll through? Because you, you've got lots of boots. Well, it's changed a bit because cause back then I would like, uh, you know, I would only get like a, a one pair of boots maybe a season. I'd get a pair of boots for the season. And then, yeah, when, when I got to St Kilda, it was just like, well, you know, Initially, I was able to buy five pairs of boots for free for, through the club. So, of course, I'm, I'm maxing that out. And then, <laughs> and then all uh, Nike. Uh, yes, yep. yes, all Nike. Um, 
I'd love to. I don't even know if you. I don't think you've seen these yet. I'd, I'll I'll bring them in one day to show you. But the, you got I, the red ones. Well, the weird black and they're like the three D. Yeah, so, so, ones. so I got them early on. The um, sort of like the, it's called like like dazzle camo or something yeah. li- limited edition. Um, I've got one pair and I've also got a pair on ice in a box, <laughs> um, under my bed that I'll, I don't know, might give them to my son or something down the track. Um, so I've got them and then. There was around – so Nike have Air Max Day, 26th of March. Um, they, they did some sort of one-off boots that were based on Air Maxes. So I remember t- – yeah, I still don't know how I got these, but I was just at the club the day that they'd gone online and I remember going upstairs and being like, oh, can you order this and this for me? And then they came and, and so I got a pair of Tiempos that were sort of like a pair of Air Max ones and I wore them in a lot of the games that I played. Were they solid white? Solid white with a blue tick yeah, and okay. the blue blue around the, the sort of the yep. top like, a, like an Air Max one. Um, and they were – they're almost my favourite pair of, pair of boots because I played my first game in them. I played – they're kind of – they're a bit ruined now but like I've still – I've just put them aside. They're, they're a bit ruined but um, I've still got them and then – a pair that I actually haven't really worn much was back when they used to do the the Magisters, the sock yeah. up on the ankle, and um, they're a copy of like the Silver Bullet ninety sevens. So they're all silver with the reflective. So you want to love them? I've got to bring oh. them in for you and wear them one night. Um, I've got a pair of those, the futsal kind. Yeah, but they're red. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I got that pair as well, which which I love. But um, yeah. Anyway, then I was I was lucky enough. For, I think for two years that I was there. I was I was getting Nike boots, so I was just, you know, every time the thing would come out, I'd 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 get some, and was lucky enough. That's when I moved on to wearing some Mercurials, which are just yeah, it's almost like a sprinting spike. Um, How do you find those? I I personally love them okay. because because I, I love to run on the field. I feel like wearing the lightest thing possible is is really good, and they feel they feel great to run in. Um, my toes probably wouldn't say the same thing because yeah, I've I've lost a few big toenails because I've been stepped on, and there's not there's no padding protecting no. it. But um, you know what I knew you were serious about boots. Go on. When you rocked up wearing a pair of Mizunos. Oh, see the Zooies. I, I, I yeah, I, I really rate. They're a boot lovers' boot. They are, um, and I got into them. See, this is when I, I felt like Nike were going away from what I'd previously liked beforehand and it got to a point where I was like I, I need to change it up and that, that was last year I wore them when I was here at Box Hill because I thought I've got to change change something up a bit um bought a pair of those um like the Morellias and and another pair and oh that, they were amazing like they are Japanese um handcrafted kangaroo leather just what they don't do anymore do you know what I mean and um I remember yeah oh I got got on some like deep YouTube rabbit holes of like looking at boot, revu- boot reviews and there's this one guy who, who gets into it a lot and he, he termed it as like almost exactly what you said like they're they're, they're not the most popular but if you're if you're a real boot lover you, you know that the Mizunos are, are, are good boots you um, start at the Nike the Adidas yeah and then when you fall and you go down the rabbit hole if you get real serious into the boots you come across the Mizunos yeah like if you it is it is arguably the best boot that there is, I think, or or, or boots, um, just because of how they're made. Um, so I, I still love them. I, I've been I've gone back to the Mercurials this year because I just I do really love wearing them. But I've still got the the Mizunos at home. Um, 
that I probably am due to, to pull out maybe. I'll in, notice anywhere, it so. and I'll appreciate it. Yeah. Now, we spoke to Dooch briefly and he told me and, and I, I, had to, I sort of did a bit of a double take with him because he, he mentioned a name to me. Where's Anderson? <laughs> and I said, I said, for real, like where's Anderson? And he goes, yeah, yeah, where's Anderson? I love Wes Anderson. You do? Love him. How have we never spoken about this? This is exactly what I said. Amazing. And he mentioned that you'd got him a book. Yes. And I went, accidentally, Wes Anderson. Yes. The Instagram account. Uh-oh. And I go, I have that book. Yeah. I love it. How good. It's basically for the listeners. So Wes Anderson, filmmaker, you would know his stuff if you haven't seen it. He's a very stylistically distinct storyteller visually. Yep. And a, an Instagram account was set up maybe two years ago, a little while ago, where people would take and send in or the person would post um, photographs that were framed up like a Wes Anderson movie, like a shot, and then he created a coffee table book, accidentally Wes Anderson the mm. book, and they were like postcards and how good is it? Oh, it's... You just flick through it. Yeah, it, it's awesome. I, um, I came across it. I, I went up to um, Byron Bay with my girlfriend in the last... Buy that took like two buys ago, and there's a really nice bookstore there. I remember we we would been there the last time, so I was like, oh, we need to go back in here and mm. have a look because they have the coolest books in there. And then came across this first one because um, me and Dooch talking about our the things that we're passionate about. We we were talking about that, um, and we'd spoken about Wes Anderson and come up, um, and just how sort of cool his his work is. And and then I saw this this book, um, and I was like. I've got to get it for Dooch because this is just – this is awesome. And I love the concept because um, Wes Anderson actually does the foreword for the book and says he's had no part of setting any of it up. He doesn't um, – he, he's been to – like he, he hasn't been to most of the places that the photos are taken but um, in the same sense he like, you know, somewhat approves of it at all and, and feels like, you know um, – privilege that other people are like you know taking on his sort of style and taking photos so i'd love to go and visit some of the places because they, they look pretty cool i love like what i love about the book is it does capture these places that don't feel real yes and you kind of like but it's a, it's clearly it's a real mm. you know wherever this wherever you are in the world and it's just this because oh, it's someone i love i was speaking to douche about it earlier because i actually Wes Anderson doesn't come up very often at the football club M. <laughs> so when Shawnee hears that he's – Because right. I mentioned it to him and he, he mentioned it and I was just like, you're kidding me. Yeah. And I sort of said, oh, what's your – from Dooch, I'll ask you the same question. What What is your favourite of his work? Um, to be completely honest, I haven't – I'm not across all of his stuff. I've only mm. looked at a few things. But the like the Grand Budapest Hotel, how that's um, – done and even the storyline like oh, yeah i don't know i just love that that movie and the actors in it like um i, I love even yeah so yeah, i went i went down a bit of a youtube rabbit hole as well with this and um got on to looking at how they filmed that and everything and i love how he, he maintains a similar sort of cast for a lot of what he does and even that he builds a bit of like they interviewed some cast members and they were saying how they've built a bit of like a there's a camaraderie and even almost feels like a bit of a team within that and how, how they work with him. And so, I don't know. I it's love, almost knowing how he works as well. Yeah, yeah. And they're all just old, yeah, they're all just great actors who obviously understand and appreciate that side of it as well and it, it all just works, you did know, you see, really nicely. 
Have you seen the French Dispatch, the last one? I I have seen part of that. Yep. But um, to be completely honest, struggle to get my head around it initially. I need to watch it fully to, to understand it. Um, it uh, we watched Fantastic Mr. Fox maybe a few weeks ago. Brilliant. Even that was just like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how he's done that with like, because it's like, it's a what, cartoon, what do you call it? Yeah, Animation. Stop motion, like, yeah. yeah. Um, which is even that's amazing, but um, yeah, I just love the whole the whole thing of it, and and the reason the way I, I even got onto it, and how me and Dude started talking about it was because um, Tyler, the creator, is is another um, person I really think is like a, an amazing artist, and not just what he does in music, but the, like the other stuff he he does as well with some of his clothing and that, and um, there was a. I was watching a video on YouTube again of, of sort of the style history of Tyler Creator and it's, it's getting towards the end of what he wears now. And I don't know if it's been confirmed or if it's a bit of a conspiracy that he draws a lot from Wes Anderson and I'd never heard of Wes Anderson. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll look into this because it's very – he's wearing these like tweed suits yeah, and yeah. the like the hat and the shoes and all that. Um, and then when I see – you see Wes directing and he's wearing like the full suit and everything like, – and so, so then I started looking at that and I was, you know, I showed Dooch that as well and we were just like, this is awesome. So that's how it sort of like came a bit together. I think the thing with the French Dispatch, just closing on this, is we don't want to sound like two pretentious weirdos. Oh, yeah. What's act, this turn acting, acting, acting like Wes Anderson, some <laughs> underground film director. Uh, but every, like in the French Dispatch particularly, his last movie, what, what I love about it is and, and what I think you and Dooch are kind of appreciating from a creative point of view is that every single shot in that movie – is a work of art. Mm. How it's framed, the lighting, costuming, set design, production design. Not that other movies aren't like that, but everything in this movie is so meticulous, so deliberate, mm. and it's it's beautiful. Yeah, and and even in that in the behind the scenes thing that I watched of of Wes directing the, the Grand Budapest, like. I love how like they start something, then he says like stop, and he walks into the shot, and he's like, yeah. goes over to someone, and goes, oh, can you just move like a few centimeters like that way, and just there, and just there, and like just gets it until it's sort of you can tell if if anyone's out there that's a perfectionist, I, I think you'll love this because that's literally what it, what it sort of is. One of my favorite quotes, James Cameron, legendary filmmaker, he he he's notoriously like notoriously a perfectionist, and someone asked him, and he said, no, I'm not a perfectionist because I'm a writist. I'll do it until it's right. Yep. Yeah. And he kind of laughed himself. He goes, I'm, I'm very high maintenance, yeah. but the point is we'll do it until it's right. Yeah. And then we'll move on. Yeah, I like Speaking it. of moving on, are we ready? Do we want to play some quick hands? This is just word association to finish us off basically. Yep. Let's let's do it. I, the only last thing I want to say about that is I, I like the ability to um, have conversations about different things like because I know this is, this is primarily about footy, mm. but like – even to talk about that or – do you know what I mean? It's um, – I feel like some, something I've, I've learnt is it's – there's only kind of a, a strict few things that you can speak about in a footy club generically. Um, but th- And this is why I've got along with Dooch and a lot of the others um, who are at the club because – Don't tell me that like there's some Wes Anderson fan club out there no, no, that no, I no. don't know about. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just mean in terms of being able to speak about different stuff and and that be um, – that, that conversation be allowed to happen and – Well, that's you know. sort of what we wanted to kind of in a, in a way is to chat to your first club, Cab Off The Rank, and we've sort of got a bit of a, a, a next three or four weeks as who we'd want to speak to. And it's – we want to speak about 
what is their role and their utility at the footy club? So for you, it's player, senior player, et cetera. Yep. But then we want to kind of go, well, what, do you, what else do you do? Yep. Like who are you as a person? What are your interests? Yep. Show us a bit of your personality. Which is that distinction that we spoke about right at the start, wasn't it, about trying to... Oh, it's all dovetailing. It's all, <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> I love it. So you know how word association works. Of word, course you uh, do. Word association. Yeah. Okay. You so ready? like first thing that comes to my head. Yeah. Ready to go. What, what are you, you going to say people's names? Or? I'm going to say all sorts of things. <laughs> mm, okay, jeez. Are you ready? I'll, I'll try not to think too much. You ready? There's a siren. <clears throat> Who wins our best and fairest this year? James Parsons. Funniest teammate? Um, Cal Porter. Favourite footy cliche? Um, you win some, you lose some. Who's the best trainer out on the track? Oh, geez. Oh, Benny Cavara's up there. Speaking of which, John Cavara or Ben Cavara? Oh, jeez, oh, I don't know. I can't look past Johnny. <laughs> Johnny's a man. True or false, has Damien Mercedes ever missed a target by foot? False. What's your favourite ground to play on? The G. What go-to pair of footy boots? Oh, jeez, you can't ask me that. Oh, um... Those those dazzle camo tempos. Love it. Uh, pre-game meal. Oh, uh, like penne bolognese. That's it. We got one more. Okay, go on. Got two more actually. Rate Dooch as a boss. <laughs> he's not a boss. He's a he's a wellness officer. Love it. And then lastly, who do you think we should interview next that we might not have thought about? Hmm. I, it, it's a shame that you've you've done. You need to get Porter back on the show. It's <sighs> I know we do. Um, you know what we actually. You know what we need to do. We almost need to get Ports and Ben Kavara. That that would be good. Yeah, I think you definitely would have thought about Ferg, but Ferg, I'd love to hear about. I'd love to hear Ferg's. Uh, so you know the problem rendition. with Ferg, and Ferg will appreciate this. Shout out to Ferg yeah. if you're listening. Um, definitely won't be. But oversaturated, and that's my fault. Yeah, because you know what? You, 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 I hate to say it, but you're, you're dead right. That's He's, a Cal uh, Porterism. That's <laughs> I hate to say it. Shout out Cal Porter. Um, but no, he, you have. Ferg is good, good talent. And so we've got him kind of earmarked for something else. Yeah. So we might get to him. Get, get Will Garner on. I want to oh. hear what that man has to say. I want to hear what's going on with that moustache. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. Oh, disgusting. Have a think about that. All right. So just one more question before we let you go. Yeah. Is 50 games at VFL level the last significant milestone for you or do you have your eyes on more? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, Naps is just standing outside oh, is with, with, a, with a contract. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I'd, I'd have to have a think about it. Um, look, I think I'd, I'd, as long as I'm enjoying playing, I'm, I'd be happy to keep playing playing on and, and, and playing, you know, with, with – with guys and in the team that I enjoy playing with. So um, from that standpoint, I'd, I'd, I'd love to keep going. Um, and, but, but yeah, it's something I'd, I'd think about. There's, there's something that there's, there's stuff that I um, also definitely want. There's other things that I would love to do. And so um, I, I understand that there's only a window of opportunity that you get to play, play footy. So you've, you've got to make the most of it, but there's other things um like a, even from a physical capacity that I'd love to do um, that, that don't involve footy. So whether that's something that happens soon or later down the track, I don't know. I've, I've got to think a bit about that. But um, I, I am 
still enjoying footy at the moment and, and it's something that, I, that I'd love to keep doing. Diplomatic and non-committal. <laughs> I liked it. Sorry, Naps. <laughs> Edo, thank you so, so much for your time, for being our first guest. We really, really appreciate it. Um, congratulations on the milestone. Outstanding. Um, and we wish you all the best, obviously, for this Saturday um, and this season to come. Thank you for having me. And, and hopefully this is the first of many because, uh, yeah, I, I'd love to uh, – I, I love listening to these things and I'd love to, to hear more stories of, of some of the other boys. So, awesome. I thought, I thought he was great. I really loved um, hearing his story. Absolutely. I think you can't put a time limit on these kinds of conversations because sometimes they just take a mind of their own and just spin off, kind of like this one did with random tangents you wouldn't expect in a football-related podcast, but it's what you're going to get. So, <laughs> Good chat is good chat. Um, so I suppose just some housekeeping before we close for this week. Um, we tackled the Giants at Giants Stadium on Sunday morning, um, part of a double header. So our game kicks off at 11.35. Um, and look, obviously, we'll be itching to get out there and rebound following Saturday's disappointing performance and results. Um, the Giants are coming off a bye. Now... An all right season so far. You are a Giants fan. Uh, Giants and Hawks fan. Don't put me in a box. <laughs> well, I mean, you are, you are you're a closeted sort of Giants. Not in the VFL, thank you very much. That's true. That's true. Um, so look, they're in eighth position on the, the ladder. The Giants have had six wins a draw and four losses. Um, so it's a really huge opportunity for both sides, isn't it? We're, we'll be looking to atone for last Saturday and the Giants will be looking to sort of get back on the horse and, and, and climb the ladder. Yeah, I'm expecting a, a good clash between these two. I think it'll be very good to watch. Do you want to tell the people how they can follow the game? Yes, you can catch the game via the live stream on either the AFL app or the website. Just click your way through to the VFL match tab. And also we'll be obviously covering things as we do each week, so make sure to follow us on all of our socials if you don't already. And then from an event point of view, um, big week for the club. We've got our mid-season ball on Friday evening at the Vogue Ballroom. Uh, Tom Boyd, uh, Paul Salmon, Peter Hellier will be there. There'll be some silent auctions, entertainment. Um, it'll be really, really good night. So for those of you that are attending, thanks so much. Uh, we look forward to having you and, and hope you have a great night. And then today... Today was fun. We had, our, as a footy club, our first ever junior football clinic for the school holidays. Unbelievable turnout. Absolutely. Over 200, I think. And we'll do it all again next Tuesday. So City Oval uh, from 3pm. Um, the boys are involved. Uh, like I said, it was, it was a great afternoon. Uh, it was so good to see so many young footy fans with smiles on their faces. And you can absolutely be a part of it if you weren't today. Um, it's just as, as simple as register on the day. So 3pm next Tuesday afternoon, Box Hill City Oval, uh, we'd love to see you down there. So I suppose, Em, that wasn't too bad. Pretty good, I think, for the first go. Love it, love it, love it. So we'll be back to do it all again potentially later this week because we want to get on a Thursday night for a Friday release. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and as always, obviously, if you like the show, um, if you enjoy it, subscribe to the channel because that way you'll get notifications the second a new episode drops. Um, and leave us a like and a review as well, because that, that certainly helps the channel grow um, and feedback's really great, really appreciated. So uh, for me, Sean Peterbudge, thank you so much. For Emily Ferguson. Thank you for listening. <laughs> we'll catch you next week. Thank you so much. We're a happy team at Boston.